How's it going? Is it? Seriously, how's it going? (laughs) Hi, folks. Welcome to the podcast. It is Sunday, June 10th, 2018 in the afternoon. Welcome, as always. uh, It's coffee time. I have a coffee from Starbucks. Not a traditional Starbucks, but the Starbucks that exists inside the giant supermarket. Because I went over there and did a little food shopping this morning. Because I'm a modern man. I can both be tough and tender and go food shopping. The worst part of food shopping, I would have to say, would be when I'm uh, given a task, an item, a chore, uh, a thing to locate, and this item is so specific that I must text my wife two or three times. Well, did you want the 2% or the 7% non-fat? And like, because in this day and age, these products... You can't just get give me give me an example ranch dressing okay there are 47 different variations thereof and I know the one I get will be the wrong one that's the only guarantee that I know this ranch dressing no oh see I want it a quarter percent blend it with olive oil uh, and vanilla extract and a touch of soy sauce. You, you didn't get that one? It's maddening. The closest I come to divorce, and I got to say, hardly, in my mind, hardly ever. Don't know what's going on in my wife's mind. Do we truly know what's in the mind of others in the deep recesses? But to my mind, we have a great relationship. But I do almost snap when it comes to food shopping. Like, oh my goodness, who cares if it's 6% or 9% or, uh, but, and, and have you ever had this emasculating moment, this moment of, um, castration? Can we say that? I'm trying to keep everything PG, PG 13. Um, this is the word I've even been to the point where I will take a photograph of said item and send it to her. Hey, is this one, hon? Hey, babe, they have this one and that one. Which one do you think I should get? I mean, sometimes at that point, I just want to walk. I just want to be like, you know what? Don't, like, I would leave the cart in the aisle and just walk out of the store and just get in the car and like drive to Mexico and be like, I'm just starting over. I'm just – I the there's seven different kinds of Swiss cheeses. I'm done. I would just go to a little Mexican village, a little uh, bodega, or is that Italian? Either way, I want to go to a little village that has a store with no options, with one type of cracker, one type of turkey. I don't know. These are bad examples. I should have written examples down prior to launching into this, but going off the cuff. So if you find do you find yourself texting back? Are you you probably have a better handle on your relationship than me. You're like I'm not texting ID pictures. It's the mundane parts of of suburban living that can drive one crazy. Death by a thousand cuts.
So you got to stay edgy. You got to stay a little bit edgy because if you spend your whole life in the giant supermarket, um, you'll lose any hopes of what you had of an edge or a personality or even a, a gender, to be, to be honest with you. A couple years ago, I felt, again, that sort of suburban mundanity slipping away into the fox. I was like, I got to do something. Let me take a sip of the Starbucks, by the way. I got to do something to break it up. So I said, you know what? I got to get a motorcycle. I got to get a motorcycle to feel alive because if I'm in aisle seven again of the giant, I'm going to lose it. So I took uh, motorcycle courses, which I know is not edgy right there, taking a class. You should just uh, smoke a big cigar and just get on a motorcycle and instantly know how to how to ride one. But in fact, they're fairly complicated. I know how to drive a stick shift car, but a motorcycle, you got all four limbs going at once. Uh, your left is, a handle is the clutch, the right is the brake, and the, your left foot is is shifting the gears, and uh, so it's, it's, it's fairly difficult. I recommend all of you, should you want to uh, ride a motorcycle, take some classes. They're free, in the state of Pennsylvania anyway. They're free, and uh, I took uh, 10 hours on a road course riding a motorcycle, their course, their helmet, my pride. Uh, and it was fun, and after I rode around for 10 hours, I realized I'll kill myself on this thing, uh, no doubt. I would be roadkill within 20 minutes of my maiden voyage. So I did not pull the trigger on purchasing a motorcycle. Although if you look at my license, you will see a little M, a little M next to my name, which means, folks, I'm qualified. I'm licensed to ride a motorcycle. Just did not pull the trigger. But on a day like today, when the shopping became pretty mundane, I wanted to just peel out of there heading down the highway, looking for adventure, you know, whatever comes my way, really. That, that is, of course, a quote by the Golden Earring song. Heavy metal thunder. First time the term heavy metal was ever used in a, uh, in a phrase or a song is uh, that Born to be Wild song. Little tidbit, little factoid here on the podcast. So, I didn't even plan on talking about that. That just uh, came out. Last week's show had some people write in. Apparently, 7-Eleven, their coffee is not called the Executive Blend. I misread it. It's called the Exclusive Blend. So, I guess I need an English teacher to consult because I apparently can't read. And thankfully, I didn't base a 10-minute joke on the wrong premise. Uh I guess I did, but what have you. Uh, we got some mowing the lawn outside. Hopefully that doesn't affect things. I mowed the lawn yesterday, okay? Uh, a day late, sir! So the exclusive blend, which I think still makes the joke okay. I still think my joke holds together because the premise was that you're being an elitist drinking either the executive or the exclusive Blend, but if you have to defend the joke a week later, the whole thing is lost. Um, 
other things. Justify won the Triple Crown. Did you watch that? I know we brought up horse racing last week. Well done. I hate to get political, folks, but I've heard, and I don't know if this is true, that during the National Anthem, Justify took a knee. Um, Stupid. I thought of that yesterday. Uh, That the horse took a knee, so... Uh, again, don't want to get political. Wish the horse well. I know Justify did a lot of charity work. I know Justify the horse worked with some inner city youth and also tried to uh, stop opioids. So there is a lot of good in this horse, and but there's also a controversial past. So, you know, it's up to you to decide where you stand. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad he won. You know, it couldn't have happened to a nicer horse. It really couldn't have. So justified triple crown winner goes into horse racing lore. I have a buddy who's a big horse racing fan. He reminded me of a a horse of uh, 2004, 2005. I love this name, Ghost Zapper. Ghost Zapper. I think that is my favorite uh, horse name of all time. Last week we talked about um, the horse racing birthday party and which sparked a little conversation and some emails about birthday parties in general and i'm always on the hunt to throw like the worst birthday party the ironically bad low tier birthday party um because i remember as a child having uh, a number of birthday parties at mcdonald's now, mind you, these were great birthday parties. They go down in my memory bank as some of my happiest moments, and there are some photographs of me wearing a crown. So maybe I was at Burger King. But I recall me in the McDonald's and or the Burger King. Again, I think there were a couple fast food uh, birthday parties and ones that I attended of my peers uh, that were just phenomenal. It was just magical to have a cheeseburger. And, you know, could I today throw a birthday party for my daughters at McDonald's? What sort of insanity, tsunami of madness would that set off in the uh, suburban world of parenting today? Oh, yeah, Brian's uh, his birthday party is at McDonald's. They'd say, what? What? It's at Hardee's. I'm trying to think of the lowest tier fast food joint. It's at Long John Silver's. <laughs> He's offering the children fast food fish, which never seemed like a good idea. Long John Silver always struggled, although their, their little hush puppies were good. But I recall in the 80s, and, you know, parents would sit around and they'd catch a couple cigarettes, smoke and watch the birthday party because they had those little tin ashtrays that you could just, parents could just chill out Fire up a Kent 100. Get some Marlboro Miles. And let their kids enjoy the birthday party. And that's what I would give away at my birthday party for the party favors, those little tin ashtrays. Here you go, honey. Honey, did you get your ashtray? Make sure she gets her ashtray. I would love to throw a party like that. And just watch as my daughter becomes the social pariah as her friend base dwindles. Don't go near her. She's insane. Her father threw a birthday party for at McDonald's. But in the 80s, you could do that. It was no big. I swear to you folks, I remember in the 80s, this was another birthday party of mine. I think 
probably the best one ever because my parents really stepped it up this year. It was not McDonald's, but Chuck E. Cheese, which is saying, okay, that seems that seems reasonable. But wait, Chuck E. Cheese in the 1980s, I swear to you, parents were smoking inside the Chuck E. Cheese. I recall the it was the one, if you're from the area, on the Roosevelt Boulevard, and it must have been one of the flagship Chuck E. Cheeses before it expanded. Because I think this was, uh, you know, the Chuck E. Cheese in which all other cheeses lived up to. And it was dark and dungeness in there, I recall. And I distinctly remember the smell of cigarette smoke and, uh, and ashtrays. So, old school, baby. Old school. That was a good birthday party as well. So if you can think of a better uh, low tier birthday party for my uh, for my next kids party, maybe the racetrack, maybe take maybe instead of just watching on TV, go to the racetrack. I don't know. Um, what else did I do this weekend aside from watching Justify Win the Triple Crown? Went to the movies with my wife and we saw a horror movie called Hereditary, I believe, or Heredity. I think it was Hereditary. Um, and we are horror fan aficionados, big fan, realizing a lot of people are not uh, realizing that. When you mention something, they say, no, no, we don't mess with that. But we do. Uh, it was pretty good. Must say, the hype on this thing on the internet, people were saying, critics were saying, the greatest horror movie ever made. The greatest, freakiest, scariest movie, a modern horror classic so I I bought into the hype, and I wasn't completely disappointed. I wasn't it wasn't terrible, but when you set the bar that high, I think my expectations were too high. It was good, but I wouldn't call it a modern horror classic. What are some modern horror classics? I would say um, the Blair Witch Project which uh, was the first of its kind and did truly freak me out in the mid-90s when I saw that in the theater. I want to show that to my kids because um, we are big campers, so I think it will really resonate. But then you run the fear of scarring them to the point where when you're camping and when you're at home, uh, your daughters have to sleep in the bed with you uh, in between mom and dad, which you could imagine could cause some marital stressors. Every day asking to sleep in your bedroom. So on the one hand, I want to just mentally destroy my children with horror because at that age, how much more? It's the most fun because you really are open to all of these concepts. But on the other hand, I like a, uh, a bed really just for two. I feel it just works best that way. Blair Witch Project, little uh, indie flick called The Strangers that came out an, a number of years ago. A minimalist uh, movie, which was very good. Uh, like The Blair Witch, another kind of handheld camera horror movie, Paranormal Activity. That one got me going. That one got me going. Um, the Ring, although I recently revisited The Ring and I felt a little dated. Didn't quite hold up. But... Uh, I guess that's it. What's your uh, what's your favorite horror movie? Do you even watch horror movies? Are you too scared? Not me. I'll watch this, you know the craziest horror movie, and then I'll just sleep like a baby with my CPAP machine. Sleep like nothing. Nothing gets into my. I don't think I have a subconscious. There's nothing ever lingers in there. Just boom, 
out like a light every night. Um, so, I mean, the, the things that freaked me out as a kid, though, were not necessarily – well, one was a movie and one was a half-hour television show. Let me tell you the, the two biggest things that ever scared me in the world of entertainment. The one was probably right about the time I came home from my McDonald's birthday party. And I threw on the TV and it was a cartoon, which in the 80s, I think parents and everyone just assumed cartoon, that must be geared towards children, therefore it must be okay and pass all sorts of decency tests. Well, this movie was not okay for children, despite the fact that it was animated. This film uh, was based on a book and it is called, was called, is called Watership Down. Watership Down was a semi-popular book in the 70s uh, written by a British author. I believe his name is Richard Adams. And this book slash movie, started reading the book, never finished it, but the movie that I watched in the 80s that scarred me so was about a band of rabbits trying to survive in this brutal English countryside scenario in which... It was bloodshed, predators, foxes, just I rem- decapitating rabbits, uh, shaking them, broken necks, mangling rabbits. And I sat there wide-eyed at this violence, this animated violence that I did not anticipate. I thought if it's an animated rabbit, it would be something akin to Bugs Bunny. Not the fact at all, folks. Watership Down freaked me out. My goodness, I was not ready for that. I think that's the scariest things are like when you're not anticipating to be scared, right? I was just going to enjoy a little popcorn movie. Not the case. And the other one that freaked me out, out as a kid, in the 80s there was a series called Alfred Hitchcock Presents that was paired nicely with another series called Amazing Stories. Amazing Stories was a little hokey for me. It was a little Disney-esque, and even at the time, I was a cynical child, a very tough critic, even at the time, and I knew Amazing Stories was not my bag. But Alfred Hitchcock presents, and I'm not sure if Hitchcock had a hand in writing these or if he was deceased at this point and they were just using his name. But the episode that really got me was this woman was imprisoned and she was attempting to escape from prison. So she befriended the um, a prison worker whose job was to bury deceased inmates in the prison cemetery behind the prison which is strange that a prison would have a cemetery. But this was the 80s, and I didn't question much of the premise. So uh, she said, I got to get out of here. He said, all right, I have a plan. The plan being that they concocted is that he would give her a, a drink, a pill that would make her seemingly appear dead, that would slow her heart rate down, that would, you know, and as I described this, I realized the Romeo and Juliet parallels here, right? I know, Smith, elitist, really? He's talking about Shakespeare. But I've been, yeah, I'm an English teacher, so I've taught that play a number of times. And uh, so, yeah, it's the same premise from Romeo and Juliet. But anyway, back to the Hitchcock thing. So he says, take this pill and you'll appear dead. I will then uh, sneak you or you'll be in a casket. We'll bring you outside with all the other guards. I will 
bury you and then that night I'll come back and dig you up because at that point you'll start to wake up from this fake death and then you'll be free. She says, fine, sign me up. Sounds great. So she takes the potion. She's knocked out. Plan goes uh, goes according to plan. She is then in this casket. And the next thing we see is a very dark screen. And this is this is where I lost my mind. And maybe I'll slow down so maybe you can get into this uh, mindset as well. So the the camera shows the scene is pitch darkness. And then you hear a little shuffling, which you're to believe that she is in this casket, buried, and is starting to come to. So she starts to wake, move around. She goes down to uh, her pocket and gets out a, uh, a match to light. So at least she can see what's going on inside this casket as she awaits her hero to dig her up. She lights the match. She looks over next to her and lying next to her, dead, is the prison guard that was going to dig her up and give her freedom. He, due to natural causes, happened to die that night. And they just did a double burial to save money. He, her awaiting hero, died that night. Now the two are trapped together forever in that buried alive scenario. Oh, it still gives me the chills. Still gives me the chills. The camera pulls out. You hear her scream, and then it gets muffled, and then total silence as the camera looks at the gravesite, and you know she's buried alive. Wow. That still does it for me. The concept of being buried alive is just something I can't even wrap my brain around. Alfred Hitchcock, man. I feel like his movies have have dated themselves. Um, they're not really scary anymore. Cool, visually cool, filmed pretty cool. You know the premises are neat, but uh, that that one episode is the reason I'm not right. Is the reason I'm doing this podcast right now. Something clearly snapped in me at that point. So those are my recommendations. You can find that Hitchcock episode. I know I blew the ending now, but you can find that Hitchcock episode on YouTube because it came out. Well, that conversation came up not too long ago. Went to the Doylestown Farmer's Market on Saturday. Here's a fun thing you can do at the Farmer's Market. If you find an item that you like, say a handcrafted quilt, and if an elderly woman who painstakingly made this quilt with her hands and her heart uh, is standing there as you peruse her wares, and if she says, can I help you with anything? Uh, well, you know what's fun to do, what I like to do, and you can do this too? Just turn to her and say, yeah, can I get this on Amazon? You know if this is at Walmart? Because I like it, but I'm looking for something cheaper. That's a fun thing I like to do at the farmer's market. I do like the farmer's market. I feel like I've always lived in towns that have farmer's markets. I'm always drawn to little sort of Pennsylvania hippie towns. That's where that's where I find my uh, where I find them most at peace with these little farmers markets. I like towns with farmers markets with coffee shops. We've got a couple coffee shops in Doylestown. I do. I hang out there. And uh, I pretend to be unemployed. 
I pretend to be unemployed and just like slouch around in a coffee shop. That guy. That guy. Oh, he's working on his novel, huh? That guy. Pretend to be a millennial. Everything but the student debt I have. I was sitting in the coffee shop a couple of the highlight of my coffee shop days a couple of years ago during the presidential election. Um, there was a strong belief that the election between uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton would come down to the Pennsylvania suburbs, that this election was so close that the Pennsylvania suburbs might decide it. So this set off an onslaught of reporters sort of troving the area, asking a man on the street uh, impression of Pennsylvanians and Pennsylvania suburban opinions. So I was sitting at the coffee shop, and I look up. This was at an outdoors table. I look up, and uh, the television reporter Martha Radich was walking, I believe that's how you say her name, was walking down the street with a small camera crew clearly interviewing people. I could see this is heading towards me. Um, and it's always interesting when you see like people that are on television or the news. They have a shine to them, don't they? A polished sheen. They're not one of us. They're like us, only better. So Martha had this sheen. And she was about 20 feet away interviewing people, and I could see her working her way down the block towards hopefully, seemingly, potentially, yours truly. So I, who has a number of political opinions, was racking my brain uh, to formulate my thoughts and have a good, solid base of what I'd like to say so as to hopefully make the segment in which this episode eventually airs. In other words, I was ready. I was ready. So as she made her way down the street, she was at the table next to me interviewing people, and I thought, this is it, here we go. So I pretended to be reading my book, okay, with my cup of coffee, but I think we both know the deal. So then she approached my table and said, hi, would you be interested in getting interviewed for about the 2016 election? And I said, oh, I didn't see you there. Oh, well, geez, I didn't, I didn't expect this. to. I didn't anticipate this. You kind of caught me off guard here, Martha. But, uh, but sure, I'd love to be interviewed for your program. So they said great, and they put a microphone on my shirt and did a couple little quick level tests. And then Martha began to ask me questions about the election. I can't recall the exact questions, but I was killing it. I was funny, charming, smart, yet vulnerable. And really, I gave them what I like to think to be the perfect soundbite for a political piece. And uh, as I was answering the question, the cameraman said, stop. I was shocked. I said, what, what do you want me to speak louder because I really nailed a point or something? Uh, he said, no, stop, cut. You Don't look at the camera. Just look at Martha like you're having a conversation. You're, you keep looking at the camera. I said, oh, okay, my bad. 
And he said, all right, let's do it again. Roll. And uh, I started answering the question. And I think at this point, not only did I again start to turn back towards the camera, but I tried to make sure that like my tattoos were in the picture as well. And I was like trying to really kind of flex a little bit, like just pivoting in such a way so as to give my best angle to uh, to to the viewers of America. And uh, again, as the interview was abruptly cut short, we said, cut. And at this point, he was clearly, clearly annoyed at my behavior. And he said, please, just act like you're having a conversation. You're getting very stiff or something. Just act like you're having a conversation. Just pretend the camera's not even here. I said, fine. And I kind of exhaled because I was flexing a good amount of the time. I was, uh, you know, I had my abs engaged during a good amount of the interview. So uh, a third time, and I rambled. At this point, my concentration was lost, and I, you know, I still feel like even me at half concentration is more entertaining than most of you at full concentration. <laughs> so uh, I did, for a third time, attempt to answer the questions while keeping my ga- uh, my course somewhat engaged. And uh, and then Martha and the cameraman said, okay, thank you. And they moved on to the next table. I said, is this going to be on TV? Breathlessly, hopelessly. They said, yeah, yeah, it might. And that, uh, that it might concern me a little bit. But I said, oh, okay, what time? What time? They said, this Sunday, 10 o'clock, George Stepanopoulos. I said, okay, all right, I'll... I'm going to be watching, okay? Will it be in the beginning? or to, They said, we're not sure. We're not sure. And very, they were very coy in their answers about when my bit would air. So Sunday morning rolls around, and I am uh, ecstatic. I wake the family up early, make a big breakfast, because we're going to watch Dad on national TV. And uh, after the, my children and wife have been fed with eggs and bacon, and, you know, they're ready to be really proud of their old man. We turn on the Martha Radich program. We watch, and uh, my segment doesn't appear right away, so give it time. They're probably saving my bit for the end. The closer portion, which is the most powerful, you know, the last word sort of thing. We wait it and we wait it. And I think you know where this is going. Nothing. My bit was cut and I did not appear on the Martha Radich interview section of the George Stephanopoulos show. So as you can imagine, uh, this podcast really is a is a reaction to my being so close to stardom and yet so far away. I was almost there, folks. I could have been a contender. But so let that be a lesson to you. If you find yourself in a situation in which you could appear on TV, don't flex. Don't worry about your tattoos. Don't look at the camera. Just be yourself. Don't be me. Uh, So that was politics. That was the Martha Raddatz show. I did just finish, and we won't get political here, but I just finished that Donald Trump book, that book about Trump, um, Fire and Fury Inside the Trump White House. This is the one in which he hoped would be blocked. A fascinating book. It is Absolutely fascinating, even if it's half true, uh, highly entertaining. Um, I read it in three days. It was like crack. It was just like I could not put this thing down. 
So I won't give away the ending, uh, but he does get elected. I don't know if you follow politics, but uh, he did get elected president. And uh, it is it is a trip. It is a trip. All right. So that's, I think that's the podcast. Too much talk. I barely had any coffee. I only had like, let's, let's give it another, another good one before I sign off here. <sighs> yep. I always get like the largest size coffee. Like I don't even look for ounces. Oh, it's 18, 24. I just get the tallest cup that's out there. I like these cup holders and cars, you know, they don't get any wider. They just get deeper to accommodate taller and taller cups of coffee. Although at Starbucks, I'm not going to say the Italian grande. I refuse to say that. Come on. I'm in a giant supermarket. Really? You want me to start talking cafe talk to you? Are we on the left bank of Paris here? Really? I'm looking at the deli section right now, the Hatfield ham. We're going to pretend pretend that we're uh, we're so much better with our foo-foo language. That's like, well, I mean back to the McDonald's stuff, like uh, they got the baconator, right? And then you got the son of baconator. That's like supposed to make that's the healthy choice, the son of the bacon it no just see i'm looking to cut back on some of the calories i'm gonna go son of baconator uncle of baconator the the family tree of the baconator is uh you know you really shouldn't eat you probably shouldn't eat any fast food i do like once a week because um white trash but you should not People are like, oh, you want to go like uh, scheme, bungee jumping, all these things. I'm like, dude, I don't need any more danger in my life. I eat fast food like once a week. That's like, that's extreme right there. That's taking chances with your health. Uh, I eat Son of Baconator occasionally. That's, that's as extreme as I want to take it at this point. So anyway, maybe I'll have a son of Baconator for dinner tonight. And then just, if you eat a son of Baconator at like noon, you're not doing anything for the rest of the day. It's just like, nope. Maybe you'll take a nap or just have stomach pains or something. That's all you're going to do. Maybe you'll watch a light sitcom. And that's it. So it was interesting that last podcast I ended at 36 minutes. In the previous podcast, I wasn't even paying attention, or the first, the second one, and I also ended at 36 minutes, and I didn't even look at the clock. This time, I am looking at the clock, and now I feel compelled to, to end on the 36-minute mark. I think it's 36-minute mark. I'm timing by my phone and not this, uh, gr- I'm using GarageBand to record, not GarageBand, which ironically doesn't have a timer on it. Like, hello, hello, oversight. So in a quest to make this a 36-minute entertainment program, I'm going to sign off now. Thank you for joining me, Brian Francis Podcast. Right in Brian Francis Podcast at Outlook.com. Uh, have a wonderful week. I hope this was as entertaining for you as it was for me. It wasn't that entertaining for me today, actually. That's just pandering, pandering to the crowd. No, it was. And we will do it again 
in a week, and let's get to the 36-minute mark. We have 35 minutes and 45 seconds. So how long can I tap dance up here until we hit 36 minutes? Well, clearly 10 seconds and maybe five more. And three, two, one, 36. All right, folks. Laters.